This is Ham College, Episode 75, for March 31st, 2021. This episode of Ham College is brought to you by ICOM. The great outdoors is calling. Get outside and under the stars with one of ICOM's ultimate SDR transceivers. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Ham College. I'm Professor Thomas. And I'm Dean Martin. And it's great to be back with you again. Uh, yeah, you know, sometimes we get a little carried away here on the show and uh, crack ourselves up, along with everyone watching. So such yep. such times are, are pretty frequent here. Anyway, yeah. you know, it is good to be back. I, for some reason, it seems like it's been a really uh, long time. For I don't know why. I'm sure it's the same month as always. Well, last month we talked about electromagnetic waves, Earth-Moon-Earth communications, meteor scatter, microwave, troposphere, or tropospheric and scatter propagation, auroral propagation, ionospheric propagation changes over the day, and circular polarization. There was a lot going on last month. I was thinking it was probably propagation. I th- I think, yeah, you're probably right. And propagation is such a broad topic. Why don't we talk about it again this month? Okay. So what are we going to talk about tonight? Well, we're going to talk about uh, transequatorial propagation, long path, gray line, Extraordinary and Extraordinary Waves, Gordal Hop, and Sporadic E-Mechanisms. The questions <laughs> do keep getting a little bit harder here. Of course, we're studying for the extra class exam. Now, it, let me just say, if you're not a ham yet, and but you're wanting to become one, or maybe you're studying for your general exam, don't gauge the questions tonight. For the technician exam, entry-level exam, they're going to be much easier than these. They get kind of tough, though, when you get to the extra-class license. Uh, So there will be some tough ones tonight, and we're going to test out everyone in the chat room to see what their answer is because we'll be watching them with one eye over here and let them answer along, and we we may copy their papers. Then again, we may not want to. It just depends. These are some toughies. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Uh, they're not things that, uh, with the way I operate, that I deal with on a very regular basis. A lot of them aren't. Yeah. And you might be doing it and didn't even know you were doing it. That, that's you, true. You're just making a contact. You didn't know why it was possible. Well, these will give you some uh, some clues into some of that. So why don't you flip the coin and decide who's going to go first tonight? All right. Uh, I'll go first. Okay. You really want me to get a coin out? No. That was a a virtual coin. Yeah. I could see it spinning in your head there. 
So I ask you the first one then? Is that what we're doing? Yeah. Yeah, ask me the first one. All right. First question for tonight. What is trans-equatorial propagation? Is it A, propagation between two mid-latitude points at approximately the same distance north and south of the magnetic equator? Ooh, I'm, I thought we said I was going to ask you the first one. No, that's... I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Just, uh, B, propagation between points located on the magnetic equator. C, propagation between a point on the equator and its antipodal point. Or D, propagation between points at the same latitude. Well, trans-equatorial propagation to me means it's going to cross the equator, which is kind of what trans is. So propagation between two points located on the magnetic equator, that's not it. Point on the equator and this antipodal point. I don't know what an antipodal point is, so I'm just scratching that C one off the list too possibilities and it's not the same latitude if it's crossing the equator it's got to be a propagation between two mid-latitude points at approximately the same distance north and south of the magnetic equator gotta be well you were talking about how hard these were earlier i don't know maybe you did study i'm gonna agree with you that one makes sense to me yeah well that's what everybody in the chat room is saying so I'm going to cheat on their paper there. I'll say A as well. What is the approximate maximum range for signals using trans-equatorial propagation? A, 1,000 miles. B, 2,500 miles. C, 5,000 miles. Or D, 7,500 miles. I'm glad you got this one because I don't know that one. What is the approximate maximum range for signals using trans-equatorial propagation. So we know now, since you explained it there just a moment ago, trans-equatorial means that the propagation is crossing the equator. Mm -hmm. And we know that those are typically mid-latitude stations, so it means they'd be equally spaced Above and below the equator. So I'm going to say a thousand miles is not far enough. Twenty five hundred is that's probably not far enough. D seventy five hundred, that's too much, I think. I believe it is C five thousand miles. That's what most uh-huh. of the people are saying in the chat. Uh, is it? Yeah. Most. That seems, that seems plausible. Yeah. Good job. I'll, I'll show you how I came to that conclusion here. Well, well, roughly. It looks so much different than I remember. Well, you know, I knew that the seas were blue, but I didn't know that everything else was yellow. But essentially what we got from the North Pole to the South Pole, it's about 7,900 miles. Roughly, we're going to be mid latitude, so we just divide that by two, and that's 3950. Closest answer to that was 5,000 miles. 
Now, that's mid-latitude. Of course, you can go above or below that latitude a little bit. So the maximum, the farthest apart it could be, I've kind of got in those little orange-shaded areas there, would be around 5,000 miles. What is the best time of day for trans-equatorial propagation? Is it A, morning? B, noon? C, afternoon or early evening? Or D, late at night? Trans-equatorial propagation? The, the equator is is typically about the hottest place on the planet here. I, I don't know the answer for sure. I think it's going to be afternoon or early evening because, and I'm, the only reason I say that, that's probably wrong, but that's usually the hottest time of the day. At least it is here where we live. And that and the equator is pretty much the hottest part of the planet. So I'm, I'm going to go with that. I really don't know the answer for sure. I see everybody in the chat room. Most everybody's saying C also. Uh, but I'm, I'm thinking it's C, afternoon or early evening. But uh, that's, that's a guess because yeah. of that. I was thinking C, too. I wasn't using the the same reasoning on it as you, but you may be right that that's... Well, what's your uh, reasoning? My reasoning? Well, first, let's see if it's right. There's no need to look like a fool if I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... No need for both of us to get buzzered, huh? Yeah, not, not that that's never happened before, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Afternoon or early evening. <laughs> So my reasoning was, and it's totally different, I was just thinking about how propagation generally seems to be to me. And, you know, it's different down on the lower HF bands. But as you go on up, it seems to me, 20 meters seems to be better in the afternoon and early evenings. And I Uh think, you know, so... And that may be because of the temperature. I'm not really sure on that one. It's, I think it's more to do with how things are up in the atmosphere. But, you know, without doing a little research on that. What is meant by the terms extraordinary and ordinary waves? I'm glad this one's fell on you as well. Uh, A, extraordinary waves describe rare, long-skip propagation compared to ordinary waves, which travel shorter distances. B, independent waves created in the ionosphere that are elliptically polarized. C, long path and short path waves. Or D, refracted rays and reflected waves. Okay. Say that three times real fast. Yeah, you know, my first question is, is it, Extraordinary or extraordinary. But anyway, I don't think that'll matter here. What is meant by the term extraordinary or ordinary waves? Any extraordinary waves describe rare long skip propagation compared to ordinary waves. Hmm. I'm not sure. Let's see. 
B. Independent waves created in the ionosphere that are elliptically polarized. C. Long path and short path waves. I don't think that's it. Or D. Refracted rays and reflected waves. No, I don't think that's it either. That sounds like some kind of a Jimmy Buffett song. Yeah. Kind of does, yeah. Uh, you'd almost think it's A there. Because, you know, rare long skip propagation. Yeah, that but, seems to be. It seems to make sense. But well, uh, it I, reads like it should make sense. Yeah, I think though it's independent waves created in the ionosphere that are elliptically polarized. Uh, chat room, man, they are looking at the answers or something. Surely. Well, there's B's and A's in there, so... Yeah, there's mostly B's. I'm going to have to look that one up afterwards and see uh, what the Book of Gordo has to say about that one. Speaking of the Book of Gordo, I just happen to have a copy, the transparent version right here. Oh, that's a classic. You yeah. don't, he don't make those transparent ones like that anymore. <laughs> So let me just look real quick, because I, I just pulled it out tonight. I, I had it sitting over here, and I said, you know, we might want to see what Gordo's got to say about some of this stuff tonight. These are so tough. Yeah, that, that is tough. And like I said, I don't, I don't study for these before we do them typically. Sometimes I, I do have the question thing in case the slides don't work, but and sometimes I glance, can glance at it by accident, but I don't, uh, I don't really study it. Kelly says it's on page 43. I think Kelly is right because it, she wasn't, usually on is. it wasn't on 210. <laughs> 43. She's, uh, she's straightened this out a few times before, I remember. Okay, Gordo says, anytime you launch an HF signaling into the ionosphere, it splits into two elliptically polarized characteristic waves one being clockwise, O mode, or ordinary, oh. and one being counterclockwise, the X mode, or extraordinary. These two ways follow very different paths, especially near the polar regions where the Earth's magnetic field is strong. Thanks for that, Gordo. We never would have known. That That's interesting. Yeah. Which amateur band typically supports long path propagation? Is it A, only 160 meters to 40 meters? B, only 30 meters to 10 meters? C, 160 meters to 10 meters? Or D, 6 meters to 2 meters? Now, I don't think it's D, not for long path. 160 to 10, that seems possible. 30 to 10, that's that's too broad, too narrow. I think most most of the HF bands uh, would. And the one that covers the most is C, 160 to 10 meters. 10, 10 meters, that's like 28 
So what is long path propagation? Uh, that's when that's when it, like your yellow earth when it actually is the skips going actually the long way around the earth instead of the shortest uh, between two points that you're communicating with. So in other words, instead of me just talking straight to you right here, it would come all the way around the earth and come back to you. Yes. So what's your answer? I think I'm going to go with C on that one because I think most of those HF frequencies uh, that that's a possibility on. thirty. I know it's other than 30 meters. And then 20 meters, I'm sure, does. So that that's not going to work. So it's got to be C. It's, and uh, D, that's too high frequencies. Two meters, there's no way that's going to work all the no. way around the world. <laughs> so it's got to be C, 160 to 10 meters. Um, I'm going to agree with you. Most people in the chat room are saying that, but there is some some different answers in there. That's, These are tough questions, man. Yeah. I don't know if that's right. I think it is, but... Well, let's see. It is. For somebody who didn't study, you've, you've well, done pretty I'm trying good. to reason them out. Which of the following amateur bands most frequently provides long path propagation? A, 80 meters. B, 20 meters. C, 10 meters. Or D, 6 meters. Which of the following amateur bands most frequently provides long path propagation? Hmm. Okay. So, I don't know if 6 meters does it all. Not sure about it. I'm pretty sure it's not 80 meters. At least it wouldn't be the most frequent because 80 meters, you know, we get some good skipping stuff there, but generally we're going to get further skip on uh, frequencies and bands above that. 20 meters always seems to go pretty good when it's open. 10 meters goes very good when it's open, but 20 is open a lot more frequently than 10, so I'm going to go with B. I'm going to say it's uh, 20 meters. What do you think, Ding? Yeah, I think it's 20. Um, that's actually probably the, my most used band. I, li- I like 20 meters and 40 meters sucking. I hardly ever get on 80 anyway, but but I, I'm thinking it's B. Yeah. That's, I believe that's what everyone's saying over in the chat room on that one. Let's see. B. Okay. Well, those were some tough questions. And we've, we've got about that many more to go yet. Oh, man. Yeah. I'll have to get a drink of water. Well, I think so. What do you say... We take a a quick break here, maybe grab something from the snack bar, and then come right back and resume. I thought you'd never say that. All right. Don't go away. Hi, folks. I'm Rico. Oh, no, Joe. He's Peppy. See? You can find us at the concession stand in the lobby. Oh, no. 
along with all sorts of other tasty goodies. See, Rico's Nachos, a refreshingly new and different snack discovery. Chock full of high-quality ingredients, crisp, fresh tortilla chips, covered with creamy-aged cheddar cheese, topped off with zesty jalapeno pepper rings. Rico's Nachos, out of sight. Remember, folks, we're the new star at the snack bar. Rico's Nachos, a new taste treat you can't beat. See? Rico's Nachos, on sale at the snack bar now. The great outdoors is calling. Get outside and under the stars with one of ICOM's ultimate SDR transceivers. Stay connected while off the grid. The IC705 is a perfect transceiver for hams who want to enjoy both the great indoors and outdoors. It's the perfect QRP companion. This transceiver has features and functions at the tips of your fingers in a portable package covering HF, 6 meters, 2 meters, 70 centimeters, and the weight is just under 2 pounds. 4.3-inch color touchscreen with live bandscope and waterfall. 5 watts with BP272 battery or 10 watts with 13.8 volts DC input. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This transceiver brings direct sampling to the VHF-UHF weak signal world. This all-mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you busy. 4.3-inch color touchscreen with real-time high-speed spectrum scope and waterfall display. Smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels. And it supports dual watch operation and full duplex operation in satellite mode. Visually sees the VHF-UHF world with ICOM's IC9700. Heard it, worked it, logged it. ICOM's IC7300 is a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages to reduce the generated inherent noise in different IF stages. ICOM's IC7300 is a radio that changed the way entry-level HF is designed. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios. Yes, sir, if you want real entertainment, the best place to find it is in front of a General Electric Black Daylight Big as Life television set. Sports, comedy, drama, news, music. Yes, they're all yours merely at the turn of a dial. This model has a big 16-inch black rectangular tube that lets you see everything that the camera sees, true to life and as big as life. Sparkling contrast and sharp focus give you pictures of such clarity that you feel you're right there on the scene. The cabinet, designed and constructed by America's leading cabinet makers, fits gracefully into any type of room. Genuine mahogany veneers, hand-rubbed for lasting beauty and durability, are just one example of the painstaking attention to every detail, which makes this cabinet one that you'll be proud to have in your home. The precision engineering and careful assembly techniques used in making this General Electric Black Daylight television set are your assurance of television at its finest. See it in operation at your General Electric dealers tomorrow, and when you see it, well, you'll know that you're seeing the best. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I, I was watching that, and then I, I, all of a sudden it just kind of clicked. I'm like, "That's Dean Martin on there." 
<laughs> it was like looking in a mirror, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say we give away something? Uh, just any old thing. I've well, got I've got one of these really nice T-shirts and and icon ball caps here to give away. Well, it was mighty convenient. It was. I saw it sitting over there, and I'm like, we should give this away. Yeah. Nice icon. Well, let me uh, get back into the frame here. Got me carved off. A ham crew t-shirt. Look just as good when you get to the ham fest and leaving. And a nice icon ball cap. Plus whatever good icon stuff Jesse puts in the box when he ships it to you. Yep. Thanks. I was afraid I was going to knock that over. So if you would like to win that, well, it's very simple contest rules. All you really got to do is send an email to hamcollege at amateurlogic.tv. And just you need a name and you need an email address. Don't have to be an amateur. And you can put a note in there if you would like to. Uh, tell us how you like the shows or... You can just be real brief and to the point. Uh, this time, though, we got a nice note here from Eric W4OPE. He said, hi, here is a monthly entry for the ICOM giveaway. Recently changed my call sign, which led to changing my radio ID, Brandmeister account, QRZ account, and various hardware and software settings. Wow, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. Not for the faint of heart and a lot of work to drop one character. I almost ran out of breath before I finished saying KN4RHG. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's uh, a good change there, I guess. I always look forward to the new episodes. Well, congratulations, Eric. You're going to be this month's lucky winner. ICOM will be in touch shortly. And we'll get you hooked up with the bi-directional shirtwear. <laughs> and the hat. What happens to linearly polarized radio waves that split into ordinary and extraordinary waves in the ionosphere? A, they are bent toward the magnetic poles. B, they become depolarized. C, they become elliptically polarized. Or D, they become phase-locked. What happens to linearly polarized radio waves that split into ordinary and extraordinary waves in the ionosphere? Well, we can thank Gordo for this, this uh, answer because you basically just read that to me just a few moments ago. Yeah, they split and they become elliptically polarized. One is uh, ordinary and the other is extraordinary. So the answer is C, Charlie. I don't even have to look at the rest of them. You know, everybody got that right in the chat room, too. There you go. C. I tell you, the Book of Gordo, that's a good book, man. It is. At what time of the year... Is sporadic E propagation most likely to occur? A, around the solstices, especially the summer solstice. B, around the solstices, especially the winter solstice. 
It's almost a tongue twister. C, around the equinoxes, especially the spring equinox. Or D, around the equinoxes, especially the fall equinox. Wow. What say you? At what time of year is sporadic E propagation most likely to occur? Well, I don't think it's in the winter or the fall. And I don't think it's in the spring. I may be wrong here, but I'm going to say it's A, around the solstices, especially the summer solstice. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. Okay. Could be wrong, but Seems like that's when I've heard people talk about sporadic heat propagation occurring. Well, if you're, if you're wrong, that's everybody else in the chat room's wrong, too. So you're probably right. Okay. <laughs> we were all right on that one. Why is chordal hop propagation desirable? A, the signal experience is less loss compared to multi-hop using Earth as a reflector. You mean it's not cordial? No. B, the MUF for chordal hop propagation is much lower than for normal skip propagation. C, atmospheric noise is lower in the direction of chordal hop propagation. Or D, signals travel faster along ionospheric cords. Okay, why is chordal hop propagation desirable? A, the, max, the signal experiences less loss. Compared to multi-hop using Earth as a reflector. That makes sense. B, the maximum usable frequency for chordal hop propagation is much lower than for skip. I don't think that really makes any sense why that's desirable. At least it does it to me. Atmospheric noise is lower in the direction of chordal hop propagation. Or signals travel faster. Now, I think signals is always going to travel at the speed of light. So I'm down to A or C. And I don't think atmospheric noise is lower in the direction. Because of the hop in there, I think it's going to be A. The signal experiences less loss compared to multi-hop using Earth as a reflector. So that's got it's got to be A. And that's what they're saying over there, too. So I'm, I'm sticking with A because they said so. Okay. Yeah, there are. But I didn't that. look at that before I made my answer. That must, I guess that means one, one hop instead of hitting the earth and going back. Well, you know, I'm glad um, you speculated on that because I actually. Had to look it up, you know. I was well. If I, I'm glad I speculated as long as it didn't make a spectacle. Here's what I found I did a little searching on the internet trying to find some information on coral hop. The best site that I could find that really went into a lot of detail was pa9x.com. He's got a, an article on there on long path or short path propagation. 
And if you look there at the green that's in his drawing, you can see in chordal hop, the signal bounces around up inside the ionosphere and comes down Earth way further away, whereas normal propagation or, or hops to the Earth, you can see they're bouncing off the Earth into the ionosphere, back to the Earth, back into the ionosphere, and carry that way. So there's less loss if the signal can travel a long way up in the ionosphere. Well, so, that's that's interesting. There was some very good explanations on there. I, I'd recommend look up PA9X.com. PA9X. Yeah, I'm going to check that site out. That looks pretty cool. At what time of day can sporadic e-propagation occur? A, only around sunset. B, only around sunset and sunrise. C, only in hours of darkness. Or D, any time. Oh, Hmm. Sporadic E propagation occur. What time? I don't think it's in darkness. You don't think it's only in darkness, you mean? No, I don't think it's only in darkness. I think it's any time. I could be Andy wrong. Andy says it's G. I'm going to go ahead and give you a little hint. Yeah. I should have guessed that. <laughs> I'm going to say it's any time. I don't know. Oh, they're a little mixed on this one in the chat room. Yeah, this one's kind of, I'm not totally sure on this yeah. one. So if I miss it, I'm not alone. It is any time. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, you you could have validated my answer there for me. Well, I just want to wait to see if it was right or not. Then I'll usually validate afterwards. Okay. I see how you do. <laughs> we got one final question for tonight. And I've been saving this one especially for you. Oh, what? boy. Must be a good one. I think. What is a primary characteristic of chordal hop propagation? A, propagation away from the great circle bearing between stations. B, successive ionospheric refraction without an intermediate reflection from the ground. See, I should have just kept my mouth shut a while ago. Uh, C, yeah, should have. <laughs> propagation across the geomagnetic Equator. <laughs> D, signals reflected back toward the transmitting station. Well, PA9X, I know he's got a great website that's got some good information on this. Um, it's it's going to be B, successive ionospheric refractions without an intermediate reflection from the ground. For some reason, that's what they're all saying over in the chat room. Yeah, for some reason. Yeah. It's like a little bird whispered the answer to him a few minutes ago. Yeah, it kind of was, to me. It? There you go. Successive ionospheric refractions without an intermediate reflection to the Earth. I would have, I would have probably guessed that one. 
anyway? Because propagation across the geomagnetic equator, that's transequatorial. We've been, we already talked about that. But what if we hadn't? But we did. Well. (laughs) So you had shown the way. (laughs) Well, yeah. Okay. Well, that was some tough ones tonight. I'm surprised we got through it unscathed. I am, too, because when I saw the list of the topics up there, I knew for sure we were going to get a buzzer. And if honestly, if I would have gotten the one, the question that you uh, looked up in Gordo's book about uh, extraordinary and ordinary waves, I, pr- I would have probably missed that one. I would have gotten buzzed. Yeah, well, that's the, the luck of the torn calls, I guess. Yeah. You can thank yourself for that one. Well, I already did. I was going to look up another one that uh, Cordo had to say here. Why is cordal propagation desirable? Uh, his explanation down there, cordal hop signals are unusually strong, experiencing less loss compared to skip propagation. There is even some tantalizing evidence that amplification can take place along the chordal hop path. Wow. This process can be duplicated in a plasma physics laboratory. While it is unknown if all the proper conditions indeed exist in the wild, this is wide open for further amateur experimentation. Chordal hop signals always occur along the dark path opposite the sun. Yeah, that's on the dark side. Oh, it sure is. Yep. Come to the dark side. Very interesting stuff tonight. Not for the faint of heart. Yeah, you know, like that's the reason I qualified it before the the night show. If if you're thinking about getting into amateur radio, don't let these questions tonight trip you up. You won't have these until you're studying for the highest class of license. Yeah, so. the the actually the technician is is fairly, I don't want to say easy, but it's fair. It is pretty. It's not that hard, and mm. the general it's not terribly hard. But this one is a tough one here. The yeah. extra is pretty tough. Yeah, general can be tough, but yeah, the extra is yeah, it's kind of off the charts tough and it's extraordinary. Uh, extraordinary. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. What do you say? Nigel got a 100%. We we um, take a just a quick short break here. Probably, I don't know, maybe a minute or so would probably be enough, wouldn't it? That work. And we'll come back and we'll visit with the folks in the chat room a little bit. And we've got a couple other things to tell you about as well. Around the 15th of each month, it's Amateur Radio's original and longest-running video podcast, AmateurLogic.tv, with hosts George Thomas, Tommy Martin, Emil Diodene, and Mike Morneau. Roughly, here's what I have. The bottom trace here is ground. While the elements will jiggle some, they're actually not too bad. It's light. After putting it together, I decided to test everything, so I ran in 12 volts, and I'm measuring the output here. Too windy right now, Jim. It was yesterday. We're in the antenna switching matrix. 
Any one of our six broadcast transmitters could be connected to any of the 22 antennas. I personally am so thrilled that George got the special award. Well deserved, my friend. That's really cool. What about the Super Bowl, Emil? Did you go to the Super Bowl or were you at home uh, operating that night? Tuning my amplifier and... Oh, I lost power in the shack and uh, went outside. The house lost power. <laughs> the whole neighborhood went out for about 30 minutes. I, I don't know what happened. Oh, huh. that explains a lot. Now we can take this and put it over inside our box. It's flush to the bottom. If we were to rotate, we can see that thing goes all the way through. So we'll have a hole in the bottom. What ammunition do you use in there? Uh, actually, you can use black powder. You can use um, <laughs> WD-40. You can use you know anything combustible. Um, you just have to use the right quantity. And uh, we assume no responsibility for mishaps. <laughs> Here's what it looks like after I've got them all soldered together and heat shrinked up. Okay, let's give it a try and see how it worked out. So there you have it, the hula loop. No, you can't null out the dogs barking. I have two thin film solar cells to run this. Looks like a little mini weather satellite, actually. And uh, I'm using a guitar string for the antennas. I particularly like that last one there. $29.99, you can get a 50-foot garden hose extension cord combo. <laughs> <laughs> Do not get cord wet. Now, most of these J-poles are built with metal elements or tubing. Uh, the reason I chose wire for this one is the length of this particular one. So I wanted to hang it from the tree so I can hoist it up there. Yeah. Go fishing. Well, we couldn't find the reel. Yeah. Is that what yeah. that is? All right, Tommy, sing the theme song here. If you really had to... To look good for an event, I don't know, maybe to a wedding or maybe church or a funeral or something, you would not want to get it here. But <laughs> if you wanted to look good at a ham fest, this we got be, you covered. Yep. Literally. You can go to shop.spreadshirt.com forward slash amateur logic. We've got caps, shirts, hoodies, cups backpacks, all kinds of good stuff on there. We've got uh, Amateur Logic and Ham College swag, so go check it out at shop.spreadshirt.com slash Amateur Logic. There was some interesting stuff going through there tonight. I couldn't read it all. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of hard to keep up with it. Um, sometimes I can glance a little bit in between questions, but if you look too much, you'll get engrossed in it and forget. Yeah. Email said, I just watched something about that on my 19-inch big black dark TV, uh, VE3MIC. That was when the uh, video didn't play. It was nothing but a black screen playing. Oh. Yeah, let me see. They had some kind of weird name on that television set now that I've forgotten what it was. It was... They didn't call it a black and white. Black daylight. You're right, Ralph. That's what it said. Huh. Well, I got all kind of homework to do after class tonight. I need to go look up that about the TV. I don't ever remember that uh, black daylight. I don't either. And then, and then that website looked pretty interesting. I'm gonna check that out. So brush up on that uh, the propagation stuff on there. Yep. PA9X. Is that what it was? PA9X. Now, Jim says he thought it was Tommy on the TV. 
Well, it kind of was. Yeah. Alter ego. Tom says he was waiting for one of the E3's photoshops for the face. <laughs> the E3MICs. Yeah, that was actually my photoshop there. It took a while because... Tom says, great show as that always. Photo of Dean Martin a was a little bit sharper than Tom talks to you all tomorrow, yeah, and he will. Been working on it. He will talk to yeah, us all tomorrow, and why good. is that, Tommy? Yeah. Because the last man standing multi-mode QSO party starts tomorrow, Saturday, March the 27th, at 2300 UTC, and it will end at 0500 UTC. So that's a six-hour net that we're going to have. Yeah, that's uh, 6 p.m. Central until midnight Central Time. So adjust from there. Uh, it's going to be streaming at live.amateurlogic.tv. We're going to be on Echolink. These are all going to be linked together, like the Soundcheck Net, Echolink, All Star, D Star, DMR, uh, Brandmeister, and TGIF networks. You can even check in on Hamshack Hotline, Yesu System Fusion, WiresX, P25. Or NXDN. Yep. Um, so anyway, we're going to be taking shifts and uh, and working that. We're going to stream live video as we're doing it, and it should be a fun time. So make a reminder and uh, come join us and check in. Yeah, you know, uh, we, we can forward to it. We do a net there every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central or 0100 UTC during Central Daylight Time. And we're using yep, same all, connections. Yep, all the same connections. So if you haven't joined us there before, do join us there. Uh, oh, well, this coming Tuesday night. It's always a lot of fun. I'm not sure who Net Control is this week. Last week it was uh, it was us. It's always a fun net. It's a little different. A lot of people think it's the best net around. It's because there's so many different modes you can connect with. And we encourage you to use more than one mode when you check in uh, just to kind of test all your radios and modes out there and see that they're working. It adds a, a little more um, a little more enjoyment to it. Plus, we generally have a pretty good question in there that we ask everybody about every week. So uh, yeah, we, I think you'll enjoy it. It's actually Tom and Marty. Uh, WA2IVD and AD0PO. Okay. All right, and they'll be calling uh, the Last Man Standing special event tomorrow night as well. I don't remember what time slot they had there. but uh, They got the last shift, um, so they'll be closing it down the last hour and a half. Okay. And that will be... Starting, they'll be on at 3.30 uh, UTC to 5 UTC till we shut it down. So that'll be 10.30 to midnight central time. Okay. Yeah, and you and I open it up at uh, 6 p.m. central, oh, what, or 2300 UTC. 2300, yeah. So looking forward to that. That's going to be a fun time there. Uh, you know, if if you find yourself during the month wanting to find out what's going on in the Ham College Society here or Amateur Logic as well, you can do that facebook.com slash group slash Ham College or Amateur Logic. 
You can follow us at Ham College on Twitter or at Amateur Logic. Uh, you can also uh, join us on mewe.com slash join slash ham college or Amateur Logic or groups.io slash g slash Amateur Logic. Any of those places, uh, we always post what's, uh, what time the next episode is going to be streamed live if you'd like to try to get in on that. And uh, just just various and different things. Probably the most active one still is Facebook. But there are things posted on the uh, on the other modes there as well. And let's see, something else I wanted to mention here. We've introduced a new segment. I actually need to come up with a promo for that. You know, we've only been doing uh, amateur logic once a month for 15 years or so. And Ham College, I don't remember how many years now, but it's always at the end of the month, and amateur logic is in the middle of the month. So that generally leaves at least two weekends a month, or two weeks a month, that we don't post anything. Well, we've added the new Amateur Logic Shorts video series. Now, it's going to be short segments of Amateur Logic. It won't be the same stuff on the regular program. We just published our most recent one this past Friday, and it featured email talking about how to get the most out of what you're paying for with your bandwidth all the tweaks that you need to do downstream from there, checking your gear, making sure that it conforms to all the proper standards so you don't have a bottleneck that's choking up your Internet. Good stuff. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to be next week. We haven't decided yet. It, and we, we're we going to rotate around. You know, it'll be uh, uh, just one of us each episode, which will be every other week. And we'll we'll cover one topic, generally between 5 and 15 minutes. A short little chunk of amateur logic there to keep you going in between the longer shows. Uh, we do ask that if and you And I've wish, got on my amateur logic shorts tonight in honor of it. Oh, I do too. They don't have the name on it yet, though. I'll have to get my Sharpie out. You know... If you watch us on YouTube, and by the way, those segments are only going to be on YouTube. The Amateur Logic Shorts won't be posted on the website or on Roku. You'll have to go to YouTube and search for them. And, you know, if you do watch us on YouTube, please subscribe to the AmateurLogic.tv channel and click the like and share buttons on there at the bottom of the video. You know, that really helps us spread the word and get more folks involved in the community here. Uh, we we need your help. So please, you know, like the shows and share them. Uh, it'll help get more people involved. And, you know, leave us a comment in there as well. We like to hear what people have to say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those uh, those likes, they really help a lot to uh, help to show up better in the search when people go into search for amateur radio topics. Uh, the ones with the more likes get uh, kind of more weighted to the top of the search results. Yeah. So it's kind of a big deal to do those. I really appreciate y'all doing them. So what if you wanted to know what we talked about in particular shows? How could you do that? 
Well, that I can help you with, since I'm the one that's been doing them here lately. The uh, We've got the wiki. All the show notes are going into the wiki, amateurlogic.tv forward slash wiki will get you there. Uh, we've got Ham College, Amateur Logic uh, show notes, and we also have the shorts in there as well right now. So uh, be sure and go check that out. It, when you guys email us and ask what what show was so-and-so in, that's where we go and look it up as well. So you can do that. Save yourself a little time. Yeah, sure can. All right. Well, any final thoughts for tonight, Dean? No, just be sure and uh, set a reminder and come check in with us on the net tomorrow evening. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it and want to fill this log up. We've got quite a few entries in here already ready, and uh, let's uh, run it over. Okay. Well, I'm going to say, you know, get on the air. If you're planning on taking an exam, start doing some studying. You know, it's it's. It's about time. People are going to be giving exams again in person. There are already a lot of places doing it. Mm-hmm. So the examination schedules are going to open back up, and it's about time you get licensed if you haven't already. And it's about time to upgrade. So with that, I'll say 7-3. We'll catch you here at the end of April for the next time college. Uh, check next Friday night on all the amateur logic areas for posting about the next episode of Amateur Logic Shorts, and then we'll see you on April 15th. It's not as bad a day this year because they postponed the tax uh, (laughs) deadline for another And that's my birthday. It is. Normally, Uh, everybody hates my birthday, even me. Well, that's probably really taxing on you. It is taxing. Yeah. All right. 7-3, everyone. Yep, same for everybody. The question, why is cohortal, is not cohortal. <laughs> Extraordinary waves, cordial hop, and sporadic E-mechanisms. Cordial hop? That's what I've been calling it. Well, cordial a, hop. Yeah. A cordial hop is like a dance or something, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.